0: This year, I'm on track to publish 175 blog posts for my food blog. It has been quite a journey to create this level of content in one year, and today I'm sharing some of the things I've learned along the way. Hey, friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers, and your host for the Vine Podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume, and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. And really, it's just going to be a little bit more of an unscripted episode as I've done, as I've just been sharing kind of the behind the scenes of what it has looked like to work on my blog this year. But before I dive into the actual content that we're going to share today and kind of the lessons learned, I want to quickly just welcome you to the show If you are a brand new listener or you're listening for a while, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in today, and I am sure you are going to walk away with something tangible to sort of put in your back pocket as you are thinking ahead to what you want to do with your blog next year. Now, if you are newer to the show and you're not quite sure what the show is all about, let me do a quick introduction. My name is Madison Wetherill, and I'm the founder and CEO of Grace and Vine Studios, and I also have two food blogs, and so my... Time working is kind of spent divided between these two businesses, and one of the things that we do over at Grace and Vine is we specialize in building brands and websites for food bloggers who are really looking to stand out from the crowd. Food blogging has become so saturated in the last couple of years, and we thoroughly believe that in order to be able to be successful as a food blogger... You have to carve a path for yourself and you have to stand out from the crowd. And one of the ways we think that you should consider doing that is through your branding and your website design. And the latest way to work with us on website design is our new crafted websites. And essentially these are a customized website build for you built with blocks and based in the cadence framework, something that we are absolutely loving. And this is really an approach to give you a, theme that is not right out of the box it does not look like everybody else's and it is meant to highlight your brand and your specific uniqueness in your brand and so our crafted websites are perfect for that they're perfect for people who are really looking to stand out from the crowd but they're not necessarily on a custom website type of budget or timeline and so this is kind of a fast and furious way of working with us to create something unique and amazing for your brand We are currently filling up our spots for quarter one. So if you're interested in revamping your website next year and you want to know what this would be like and learn more, you can reach out to us over on our website, graceandvinestudios.com. You can click on the contact form right there to reach out and we will send you more information. And hopefully by the end of this year, we will have our official sales page for Crafted completed. But to be honest, I have been so busy with creating these websites for our clients and creating the systems behind the scenes to help support our team in building these websites that the sales page just has not been the thing that has gotten done on my list, but it is on my list for the rest of this year. So hopefully that will be done soon. Okay, so I want to quickly just sort of set the stage to Maybe remind you if you haven't listened to some of my other episodes about my blogging plan for this year, or maybe you're brand new and you're curious about how in the world I created 175 blog posts this year. So let me kind of give you the background story. The short and sweet of this is that after I had my second son, my middle child, I found myself very overwhelmed with trying to run two businesses, raise two little boys who were under both under three and have a life on top of that. And I was experiencing a lot of burnout. And what I decided to do was to really focus on my Grace and Vine business and to let my food blog just kind of run in the background. Because what I had been doing in the past was really to spend 80% of my time on my food blog when it was making very little money at the time. And I just needed a shift. And so I went all in on Grace and Vine. It was a great experience doing that. I'm so glad that I did because it has completely changed our lives as a family. And it's something that I will never regret doing. But after time went on and my kids got a little bit older, I found myself wanting the creativity of my food blog again and really wanting to invest time. And so I decided to hire a blog manager and really start to create content again for my site. So this was back in August of 2021. And we started creating content again. And at the time we were creating about one blog post per week. And kind of slowly working my way through auditing all my old content, deleting a bunch of old stuff, no no indexing a bunch of lifestyle posts that I had that were generating zero traffic and were never going to be something that I wanted to focus on. And fast forward to the beginning of 2022, I decided to create some new recipes again. Again, August 2021 to the beginning of 2022, I was kind of just focusing on updating stuff, and seeing if it could start to get some traction, and we did. And then I decided to start creating new recipes. Then at the beginning of 2023, I decided that it was time to really put a lot of energy and invest time and money into creating a lot more content for my blog. And so that's where we're going to start today. Now, historically, I have always really disliked the notion that in order to see success as a food blogger, you needed to create more content. I found that this was something that happened in the earlier days of blogging. So like 2015 to maybe 2019, people had this notion that you had to create more content in order to be able to see success. And what that generally meant is that people were doing one of two things. They were either cutting a lot of corners and creating a lot of thin, crappy content, Or they were creating a ton of high quality content, but essentially killing themselves in the process and burning out in the process. And so that's kind of the way that I've always viewed this idea of creating more content. And so I've always really kind of dug my heels in at this idea because I never wanted to be part of that hustle culture. It is just not how I want to run my business. It's not how I want to run my life. And so in my head, I kind of had this bias against the idea of creating more content. So you might be asking, well, how did I get to the place of deciding that this was the right thing to do? When I started to look at the amount of content that I had on my blog, I started to realize that on paper, like if I looked at the back end of WordPress, I could see that I had I think at the time it was about maybe 400 blog posts, I want to say. And I thought 400 blog posts is a lot. I really should be seeing more success in having this much content. I have people all the time who tell me your recipes are so good, your content is so good. I don't understand you know why your blog isn't bigger than it is. But what I started to realize is that within those 400 blog posts, I didn't actually have that many good blog posts within that amount. And so I more I probably had maybe a hundred to 120 blog posts that I was really proud of. These were posts that we had updated that were really good to begin with and had already seen a lot of traffic. But I had, you know, 200, 250 blog posts that weren't that great, were thin content, were lifestyle content. And so I really needed to get serious about what I wanted to do with all of those posts because I knew that in order to be able to see success for my blog, I needed to have a more well-rounded quality content approach, if that makes sense. And I needed to get rid of some of the stuff that was holding my blog back. I truly believed that in unless I pruned back the stuff that wasn't good, that I wasn't going to see the growth that I wanted. And so that is basically how I decided that I needed to create more content, because I realized that I really only had, you know, 100 to 120 blog posts that were doing really well. And the other 75% of my posts weren't doing well and weren't good content. So that started kind of our plan for creating more content this year. And I talked about this a little bit more back in the episode that I did at the beginning of the year, which was my plan for this year for my blog. And so I, I will make sure to link that in the show notes as well, because it's still super applicable to go and listen to as you are thinking about next year and how you want to make your own blog plan. But we essentially decided to focus most of our efforts this year on creating new content. So how what that looked like was, again, we were doing about one blog post per week at the beginning of the year, and we decided that by April, and I say we because all of this was decisions that I was making very strategically with my blog manager, who I've talked about in other episodes as well, that's why I say we, not just me, Um, but we decided to do work our way up to having four blog posts per week. So eventually that would mean 16 to 20 blog posts per month. And I knew that I didn't want to go overnight from doing one blog post per week to four because we needed time to ramp up to that and I needed time to get ahead on creating recipes and, you know, developing recipes and taking photos. So we decided to do this slowly over time and we went from one to two and then eventually to four. Within those four blog posts, what we were doing was having one SEO-specific post. So this was a post that wasn't going to require a new recipe or new photos. So it could have been a roundup post. It could have been a how-to-do-something type of post. Or it could have been a post where we were taking a recipe out of another post. So an example of this is we have a, a recent blog post that we did that was apple spice cupcakes and the cinnamon frosting, we actually are pulling out and creating another post just about the cinnamon frosting. And so this is one of the ways that we were able to sort of game the system, if you will, of creating more content without actually creating more content. But then the other three posts of the week were going to be new posts, which were a combination of reshoots, so updating old recipes and new, like completely new recipes that were, you know, the whole thing was brand new. And then the other part of this whole process was going to be making sure that I finished no indexing or removing some of the thinner posts that I was never going to re-update and never going to kind of come back to. So now um, I don't have as solid numbers as I wish I had for you on this, but I think you'll get the point in just sharing some of these rough numbers because we can't track it as easily as I would like to. But essentially this year we have updated about 45 new posts. And those that means that these are posts that we updated with new photos and new text. And at least 24 posts, we did a major text overhaul and text update, but we didn't update photos. So when I was doing my content audit, which I will also link to the episode where I talked about the content audit process, I went through and I decided if a post needed to be completely overhauled, meaning photos and text, if it just needed text, or if Most of the time, it didn't need just photos. It was either text or photos and text. And so we kind of figured out which posts we needed to do for that. And then on average, we were doing about four updates of old posts that weren't necessarily being republished to the top of the feed. They might have just been updated in the background and just as another method of improving the overall, you know, amount of posts that were doing well on the site. I think what I ended up figuring out from a math perspective is after going through and no indexing things and getting rid of things, I had about 263 blog posts, I think, that we'll just say haven't been touched um, this year. So maybe they were updated in a previous year or something like that. And now as I'm recording this, I have 427 and counting because we have quite a few more posts for the rest of the year that are going to be updated. So you can see just in those numbers alone, There is a big difference in how many posts that we updated and improved versus how many posts are just there and maybe aren't going to get updated or have been updated, you know, between that 2021 mark and 2023 when we started this new process. So I know I throw just a lot of numbers at you, but what I really wanted to, the picture that I wanted to paint for you is why I wanted to increase the amount of content that I was creating because It was not just for the sake of creating more content or, you know, because I had a bunch of time on my hands and needed more work to do. That certainly was not the case. But now I want to go into a couple of the lessons that I've learned and the things that I had to shift and adjust throughout the year as this process went on. Because I will be honest, when we first decided this plan, I kind of thought like, sure, that sounds great, but that probably won't last because I probably won't be able to keep up with it. But in reality, what's happened is having that goal in mind and creating the the rhythms around that goal have really helped me to just, I would say, pretty, there's only been maybe once or twice where I've gotten behind and felt the stress of having that much content to create. Most of the time, though, this has just become a natural rhythm and something that I do. And it really hasn't been something that's been super stressful. And I also should probably give the caveat here that I do not work full time in either of my businesses. Even if you combine my two businesses and the amount of time that I work, it is still maybe, I wanna say a maximum of like 20 hours a week that I'm working in both of these businesses. And that is partially, actually not partially, that is mostly due to the fact that I have a lot of team support in both businesses. And I'm gonna get into that a little bit more from the blogging side of things, but I just want to make sure that I'm you know, painting the picture correctly here, that I am not working 80 hours a week to be able to create this much content. And you don't have to either if you are strategic in how you approach this and how you get support. My first thing that I learned and wanted to share is that, you know, again, this idea of shooting more recipes actually ended up not being as stressful as I expected it to be. And it certainly didn't become something that I just was perpetually behind on. I think shooting more recipes actually really helped me to get way more strategic in how I plan my photo shoots. I feel like I've shared this a couple of times in different episodes, but one episode in particular that's coming to mind is the episode about how to create more content. Again, I'll link that in the show notes, but I really go into some specifics there on how I plan my photo shoots. And even if this is something that you would love to hear another podcast episode specifically around how I plan my photo shoots, let me know. Reach out to me over on Instagram at Grace and Vine because I would be more than happy to create that or even share some behind the scenes on Instagram if that's something that you're interested in. But I feel like this goes back to the idea of Parkinson's Law where Parkinson's Law basically is the idea of work expanding to fill the time you allow it and Honestly, when I look back at different seasons in my business, I remember before having kids when I was working for myself, I was working on both my design business and my food blog. I used to work 24-7. And honestly, if I look back at the amount of money I was making for working that much, it's a very sad thing to look back at. But I really, truly feel like the less time you have to work on something the more of like a fire you have under you to get it done because you don't have time to stretch it out to the next week or to put it off. You just have to get it done. And so I think having this amount of recipes that I was shooting, even this amount of recipes that I was developing, it just made me really a lot more strategic and it just made me get it done in a way that I don't think I would have had if I was just doing one to two recipes a month. I, It sounds so backwards to say it, but I genuinely feel like It was less stressful for me having this much to create versus the opposite of just having one or two things to create and just not having that urgency behind it. The second realization in that is that to create more content, you do need more time. There is no magic about creating more content where you're going to need less time. But what I think I found is that that time doesn't have to be my time alone. So Really, this comes back to the idea of outsourcing and getting more support. It can look like support in a lot of different ways. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that you are hiring someone to create the content for you. But for me, that is what I ended up doing. And just to give more context. So a couple of ways that I did get support in creating more content, we purchased some recipes. So if I found recipes that you know food photographers were creating that were already recipes, I was Had on my list, I would purchase those. I also hired a specific food photographer who I outsourced recipes that I was struggling with. So I had one in particular that was a cupcake recipe that I didn't, I was just struggling with really just the photo part of it. And so I outsourced recreating that recipe for me and doing photos for that. So I found food photographers to help supplement some of the recipes that I was creating which is obviously an added cost, but to me it was worth that cost in exchange for the time that I got back and not having to like stress out about creating those recipes that were difficult for me. And then I also have two writers on my team. My blog manager does some writing and then we have another writer who does the majority of the writing for us. So that was another shift at the beginning of this year was hiring her and giving her most of the updates and most of the writing tasks And then even apart from those two main pieces of support, I also have an in-person assistant who comes and helps me on my shoot days. And that has been a complete game changer because I can pretty comfortably and without a lot of stress get one or two recipes done by myself. But if I wanna do any more than that, then I need to have somebody to help me. And so she comes in and she helps do all of the cooking for the recipes because I already have them tested. So she's just executing them. I shoot all the photos, she does all the dishes, and it's just a great system for us because I am able to get through five or sometimes six recipes in one sitting when I have her helping. And then the other piece of support that I also had was my husband works with us as well for the blogs and he edits all of my photos. So I that was a shift that we made just a few months ago where I was able to give that task to him. He has a video editing and audio editing background. He edits this podcast. And so he knows media very well and knows how to edit media. And so it was a perfect task to be able to give to him. And now I just hand him my memory card and he handles the rest of it. So it's another thing that's off my plate and I don't have to finish out that work. But In that, in all those examples, you can see that I'm not outsourcing an entire blog post from start to finish. I'm outsourcing pieces and parts, which has helped me to focus on the parts of creating content that I really love the most, which is recipe development and food photography. And being able to focus on just those two things has helped me to be able to create so much more because I'm staying in the lane of the, the part of the process that I really love to do. And then the last little thing that I've learned that just kind of shapes kind of how I want to do things going forward is really that a rising tide does lift all ships. And when I say that, what I mean is that updating all of this old content and creating this new content has truly helped to lift all of my content up, not just those posts that I've updated or have created new posts for. It's really helped the blog as a whole, as a cohesive you know, body of content to see an increase in traffic across the board. Not every single post, of course, has had you know huge growth, but the posts that we've updated certainly have had huge growth. And then the new posts even that we're creating, I'm finding that they are ranking faster, which could be a result of, you know, part of our keyword research process and strategy, but it also, I think, is a result of creating better content in general and focusing on interlinking between all of my content, the way that I create, or the way that I plan my photo shoots naturally allows me to have interlinking opportunities between four or five posts because of the way that I am creating the recipes around multiple pieces and multiple, you know, sub recipes. So I think all of that combined has really helped to raise my traffic completely like across the board for the blog. And just to give you a couple of numbers for that, because I've shared numbers in previous episodes with these updates Creating new content has continued to increase my organic traffic anywhere between 70 to 120% for the entire month when I look year over year. And when I look at my year to date traffic compared to last year, my year to date traffic is up 92%. Now, I have never seen that big of a growth before. I said that back in the summer when I recorded kind of an update on my plan and how things were going, and that's just continued. I will say my goal for this year was to increase my traffic by 20 to 30%. That was my big audacious goal that I was hoping to achieve. And part of it, I don't think I could have ever imagined that I would see 90% growth year over year. But the other part of it, I think, is just the strategy that's gone into how we've approached creating more content and updating world posts and kind of pouring everything into that process this year. I don't think that creating 175 recipes or blog posts every year is sustainable because now as I'm looking into next year, I don't have as many quick, easy wins to pull from because we've updated a lot of the old posts and we have you know, extrapolated the sub recipes out of other posts. So now I am having to be more thoughtful because I don't have the ability to kind of make these easy choices for new posts. And so going forward, It's going to be harder to create 175 new blog posts next year because there isn't as much to update. But if you can do it for a season and really focus on like a huge overhaul like this and really infusing excellent content into your blog, I think you're going to see a huge increase in traffic in doing that. So I will have another episode that I'm doing in a couple of weeks where I do kind of a more holistic overview of my blog plan for this year and kind of what I'm taking into next year. But to summarize this episode and to summarize sort of the lessons learned in creating 175 blog posts this year, my two biggest takeaways for you. One is to create rhythms for yourself that are going to help you to achieve whatever level of content you want to create. So for me, that looked like creating a rhythm of developing new recipes every single week. I have fallen off of that a little bit as I kind of got ahead and I haven't needed to create quite as many. But for a while, I had a recurring Asana task for myself. And on that list was every recipe that I needed to develop for the quarter, for the year, whatever part of the year I was in. And I was able to just on every Wednesday say, "Okay, today I'm going to work on developing the recipe for this muffin recipe or whatever it was. And then the other thing that I did was having recurring and regular photo shoot days with my assistant. I genuinely think having an assistant for this process not only speeds up you know, the process and makes it so much easier for me, but it also keeps me accountable to being ready for a photo shoot twice a month. Whereas if I was doing it just by myself and I didn't have that accountability of having somebody else coming to my house and expecting to be put to work in this way, I think it would have been really easy for me to just push things off and not be as consistent in shooting photos twice a month, which obviously would have attributed to me being behind and probably more stressed out about the amount that I needed to create. And then really the second piece, the second aha, if you will, is you have to get help and outsource if you want to scale the amount of content that you're creating in this way. And I think this is true whether you're working 40, 50, 60 hours in your blog or you're working 10. I think it is... It can be exhausting to create this level of content if you are doing every single piece of it by yourself. And so if you have a desire to create more content and do this process of infusing your blog with high quality content to see growth, I think it is so important to outsource and get help, even if that just means more help around your house or extra babysitting time for your kids or whatever it looks like for you. It might not be help in your business, but I think it is unrealistic to be able to add in something large like this, where you are creating, you know, an extra, like let's say you're doubling the amount of posts that you're creating, or even that you want to start creating, you know, 10 blog posts a month instead of four or five, like this is something where you need to get extra time. And the best way to get extra time is either by helping, having people help you in the content creation process or helping you in the rest of your life so that you have more time for the content creation process. I would absolutely adore hearing from you and hearing about how this episode lands for you. If you have specific questions about this process or what this has looked like for me and my food blog, I would love to answer them for you. I've tried to cover kind of an overview of this process as much as I can, but I know there's so many nuanced questions that people could ask. So if you have one of those questions, please send me a DM over on Instagram and I will answer it for you there and probably share it to my stories, too, so other people can learn. And I hope that this is inspiring for you in some way to be able to think ahead to next year and how much content you want to create. And I hope that you took away a few tidbits from this episode. So until next week, friends, we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.